Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. And uh, today we're going to be talking to uh, Captain Jordan Todd down in Port St. Joe. How you doing, Captain Jordan? Good, man. Pretty good. Just trying to stay dry. Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been one of those summers, man. It's been wet for sure. It has. We had, we had about, we had two pretty days in a row over the weekend. Um, it was kind of nice, but still a little overcast, but it didn't rain. Not a lot of wind, but the water's so daggum stained and stirred up. It's, it's making it tough on us. That's the problem, man. You know, it's not so much even that, you know, cause summertime in the Gulf, there's going to be thunderstorms and rain. That's just part of it. So everybody's used to running around them or paying attention to the forecast before you head out. But it's just that when you get, you know, you can live with that, but then you got this blowback with so much rain where it makes everything a mess. When you do get a couple good days, you can't do anything with them. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, typically uh, we talked about it last time a little bit, you know, typically this time of year you get, you know, about one or two in the afternoon, you start getting storms building and then it's going to rain by three or four, you know, or, or early mornings, these little, these little rains are first thing in the morning. will kind of have the same track. You know, yeah. you can kind of see where they're going for the day and fish around them, man. The last month, I'll tell you, it's been scattered everywhere. It's been different directions. Like today, no lie. This happened to me today. There, it, there was a nice line of storms tracking, uh, between Indian pass and Apalachicola. And I was like, okay, we'll just fish down this way. It's all tracking to the North. It's every storm's kind of building and going North. We'll be fine. Right. And so we're fishing and we get about two hours into it. And I look at, I look down the bay and I'm like, man, those clouds are creeping next, you know, this way. And about the time I said it, I felt the wind switch and I pulled my radar up and all, every storm is now tracking straight West. Uh, right at you. Yeah. Right at me. And I'm <laughs> like, what in the world? I mean, it's literally, you know, they're switching directions and, you know, middle of the morning and going a complete different direction. It's, it's just weird, man. It's a weird weather, weather pattern that where I'm not really used to, or haven't seen in a while. And it's just, it's, it's kind of getting aggravating now. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. I, I would imagine, I, I know it's been very aggravating for me and in, in the limited, you know, number of times I've been able to get out. And the thing is, it's been that way for everybody just about every day, you know, with some breaks. And then the thing is those breaks, like we said, you're then limited because of the water clarity. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of keeping me, I don't like to be hemmed up. Like I'm on a leash. It, it's, it's really bugging me. Cause I want to go fish areas, you know, where I know are productive certain times a year and either I'm scared to go that far because I know we're going to get trapped or it's, you know, the rain's already over there or something. It's just like, man, yeah. and it's making me fish the same waters and, and, you know, close by that it's getting a lot of traffic. And I just, I don't like doing that. And it's, it's, you know, we're still catching fish, but it's, it's getting to a point where it's like, all right, when is it going to give me a break? Yeah. It's got to happen soon. But you know, what sucks is that we've gotten now and we've already had two, I guess it is. But so we've had a, a wet summer just for whatever reason, but then there's been some weird tropical stuff. And, and so I guess Elsa or whatever. And then it seems like there was something before that, that maybe was just a tropical depression. I don't even know if it was named, but, yeah, uh, I I don't think it was. It was just invest whatever number they yeah, gave it. it. Which is essentially just a bunch of rain. You know what I mean? Yep. It's unpredictable. And so we've had a couple of those already. I mean, so it's just been this kind of one-two punch of 
wet weather that's got it all screwed up. And and what kills me is it's tarpon season, man. And so, yep. you know, the the limited days we get anyway, um, those of us that, that aren't on the coast are limited in when we can get down there. And then I'm limited by my boat capabilities. So I get like one or two solid tarpon days. And, and I've already had one of them, and it was so cloudy it didn't – yeah, I should have just stayed in, you know. Yeah, yep. It's 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 getting getting pretty tough. The the days that I'm having scheduled for tarpon, you know, my clients that want to tarpon fish, those days have been terrible weather. Yeah. And the days that, you know, we're just gonna be live baiting and, you know, you just trout and red fishing, it's been perfect weather to be tarpon fishing. It's like right. That gummit, I can live bait fish in nasty weather and <laughs> you know, and I wanna but it, it's just kind of reverse and I it it is what it is. You can't help the weather, but at some point, you know, I'm hoping, I'm kind of hoping we get a, a, a big, not a, not a big storm, like a bad hurricane, but we get a good storm that just sucks all this crap out of here. And we get a good week or so of pretty weather. Well, you mentioned that last week and, and I think it happened, but I think it only happened for a couple of days and now Two we're, days. we're yep. back to it, where we started, you know? Yep. It, it, Elsa wasn't quiet. She lost a little steam before she, got here and it, she uh you know we actually fish i fished the both days it called for uh tropical storm warnings around here really and, yeah and it really wasn't bad i mean we had some some you know some good gusts of wind here and there but we had just drizzle rain here and there and then a good steady 10 to 15 knot winds with a good gust here and there but it's plenty fishable yeah. you know we fished both days and then once it got out of here we had two really nice days but the water was dirty um, but we got to fish and then right back to just rain and crap yeah. every day. Yeah. So what did you do on those two days? Cause you told me a little bit before we started recording. Uh, well, we tarp and fished one day. Um, we rode around, you know, the water was so dirty. So when it's like that and we're not able to sight fish them in the water, we try to sight fish them, you know, rolling. So we find the bait. Uh, what I usually do is cruise up and down the beach and find a ball of bait in their path and kind of wait or hang around that until you see some rolling in the bait or feeding. I got and then you. Try, so try, so try what you're doing is, is kind of in that second sandbar area. Yeah. Just off the beach a little ways and, and it's or, just or in the trough down. or something. I mean, where, I mean, I know it changes, but somewhere in that zone where they would be yeah. passing through, you see a ball of bait, you kind of sit tight and, and wait them out there yep wait them out and you'll see them roll you know in the bait or outside the bait around it and then just try to pitch a bait in there to them um and do it that way and we we had again we had a couple bites and and jump one and i still haven't grabbed one this year which is aggravating as, as again yeah by now i've you know usually grabbed several and uh but it is what it is it's tarpon fishing that's what um, I was going to yeah, say. It, it's they're they're a tough fish to land, man. I mean, they really are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they absolutely are. But it's you know th- days like that. It's it's been it, it's usually what I do, and it's you know it's you can find them that way and have shots. It's not the the easiest way to do it, but it's when it's all dirty and stirred up, it's an effective way to catch them. Yeah, you mentioned something when when we were chatting off uh before we re- started recording um about um how uh, a difference in how you guys uh pursue tarpon down there versus in the further up the panhandle um yeah what did you mean explain so, that a little bit 
you know, so like our fish here migrate a little different than, than when they get uh, upwards uh, to the northern panhandle, Panama City Beach, Destin. Right. We get strings of fish down our beaches. So, you know, we get – you'll have – you know, five in a string up to 30 or 40 in a, in a string, which is a straight line basically of one fish behind another. Yeah. For some reason down our beach, they just string up and just single fall line swim. And every now and then you'll get a little, what we call a little meat pack of like five or six, you know, side by side. Yeah. Moving. But somewhere along the way, halfway between here and Destin somewhere, I don't know where it's at and why, but they ball up in big schools um and migrate down the beach that way and i mean i'm talking you know 50 60 fish wads yeah like a school of redfish or jacks and migrate a little further off the beach in deeper water that way along there and what they do typically or or from my experience up there is they they ease up and down the beach or sit there and wait till they see one of those big schools and then they troll out in front of it and kind of feed live baits back into the school and then just keep those baits there in the school I got and you. just kind of stay in front of them. Yeah. Or, or what they'll do is troll and motor across their path and stop and then kind of let their baits just swim around in front of them. And they'll just keep doing that, you know, and then they, they're, they're very successful that way over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, they catch a lot. Um, I know a couple guys over there, you know, they'll, they'll hook seven or, to 10 a day and land four or five, you know, I mean, they very successful way of doing it. Um, it's a little different than the way I do it or we do it here, or I like to do it. Yeah. You know, I like to d- deliver a bait in front of the boat, seeing a fish, watching him eat it, you know, instead of getting a bite, you know, 75 yards behind the boat, which it's, it's still awesome. Cause they still jump, right. You're still fighting a tarp and it's, it's a great way to do it. Um, but for some reason, I don't know, I haven't figured that out or asked enough people or what, but they just migrate differently down our beach compared to, um, Destin and, and Fort Walton and Panama city beach and stuff like that. So everybody that we talk to on the podcast, Justin Lionel and, uh, and Brant, the way they, the way they fish tarpon up in that area is, is sight fish, swim baits or live baits, but they're sight cast into individual schools or individual fish or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but it is schools of fish. And so, um, I, you know, it makes me wonder if some of those areas between, um, you know, like the crooked Island area, I mean, there's some areas that are notorious, um, for the tarpon fishery around the panhandle. And, um, that I wonder if they kind of gather up there for some reason or, or if, you know, because it, it's, we, you know, it's somewhere between Panama city beach and, and where you are Apalachicola, St. Yep, Joe. It's, it's it's between Saint it's between Cape San Blas and Panama City Beach. Yeah. And I've fished Crooked Island my whole life. And you get both a little bit of a mixture there of, of schools of them and strings and singles. Yeah. Um I don't know where it may be in that gap between the Cape and Crooked Island, Panama City Beach, when they have to kind of break off the beach and swim through deep water. Maybe so. Maybe they no, maybe it, they bunch up then because you know the the it's interesting though because of where you know the the geography of uh, the bottom you know we've talked before about how you know it 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 extend the shelf kind of extends out a little bit and it's a different fishery on the beach. Yeah, absolutely. And and so those fish are reacting to it. When we when we say that, 
explain that a little bit so I understand it better. Is it is it a is it a is it like rock or something live bottom or what's no, the deal? No, it's it's no, it's Cape San Blas up basically from the from the south tip of Cape San Blas all the way west and north to Destin, all that. It's all white sand or should be all white sand uh which is which is like a a coral sand that's been ground up. It's really, it's really coarse white sand. Right. Um, Appalachicola or from the South tip of the Cape East and, uh, South toward Appalachicola, big Bend. that's all limestone live bottom, uh, is what they call, you know, live bottom limestone right. rock. It's porous. It's, it's mucky silt from all the rivers. Yeah, you know the tidal creeks. It's 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 completely different between that south tip of the Cape, the shoals, each direction. Um, so it's the same bottom, but it's so they Destin Panama City Beach has deeper water closer to the beach. Okay, um, and so that may have something to do with it. I don't. I'm not really sure about that. I, you know, the, a great person to ask would be Justin. Yeah, Justin. It, Justin is extremely knowledgeable on on that. And I'll, I'm, I'll ask him later in the week when we talk, cause I, I'm, I'm so curious as to what would change their migration pattern in your part of the world to have them, you know, react differently to come through the rest of their migration. Maybe it's part of the, the, the spawning and things to come, you know, they start getting in bigger groups as they get close. Cause I mean, you're not that, I mean, you think about where they are geographically and where they're going. I mean, if I understand right, they spawn somewhere in the Gulf, like, off the coast of the Mississippi river and, and that yep. kind of, so yep. they're all, they're all heading toward the Mississippi because the, the, basically it's the, they all want to be there for the Menhaden. Right. And so, so what's, what's crazy is so that, so they're all going to that area. And I mean, you know, as a, as a crow flies, you're talking from even St. Joe and, but especially Destin, Pensacola, I mean, you're there. I mean, you're not that yeah, far 100, off. 100, 140 miles from. Yeah. I mean, considering where they came from. Over. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, oh, yeah. their so, migration's winding down, so they they may be kind of, I guess it may be time know, for them to get together. That's a great point. You know, they're ending their because basically while while they're migrating, they're bumping into other fish and and congregating, you know, from with different fish from different regions of the Gulf and all that. And that may be the key there is as they're getting closer, they're starting to bunch up and kind of get into a spawning. Uh, deal you know that's that's something cool to, to yeah, kind of study and, and, there or, and, and or ask you know, around yeah absolutely and you know what i'm really interested in too jordan and this is something that that won't be said aloud if i ever figure it out but so and i would and here's this is again man these silly little things that come out of this podcast by talking to multiple people that are spread out over the entire panhandle you can begin to sort of put pieces of a puzzle together with things like mm-hmm. this you know so you're you got single file line fish coming through at some point before they get to Panama City, for the most part, they kind of get together, right? And come through yep. a bigger school. So that tells yep. me that somewhere from Panama City to like you just said, the Cape, um, somewhere in that range, I would think they're probably slowing down or somehow pausing to get together. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like yep. they can't I mean, somebody's gotta I slow have, up to have so there's there's some area of congregation that has to be man, happening. I've, I have thought that and I have covered the water every inch of it looking, you know, and trying to find an area where they're just masses of them just kind of, you know, laid up or milling around or floating and just swimming around and finding each other. Yeah. And 
it's either I didn't hit it the right day or didn't find the right area or the water wasn't clear enough or something, but I have not found that region uh, between the areas of where they would do that. Yeah, it has to be there. You know, I've always thought, Jordan, and and I know, man, it's tarpon season. Listeners, I apologize. You're going to hear me talk about tarpon stuff from now until there's not any tarpon coming through. But the the thing is, you so I, you just look at their at their migration. So obviously they they hang around the keys. They hang around. Um, you know, there's these landmark fisheries like the Boca Grande Pass. They stop there and feed on pass crabs that wash out. And they yep. get it. They get in there thick, dude. I mean, like oh, yeah. I've I've seen on the on on the fish finder before. There's a hole there that's sixty foot deep. During tarpon season, it'll read as thirty foot deep because it's literally that tight with tarpon stacked up in it. Wow. <clears throat> so they like to hang there, and then uh, you get on up to like Homosassa. They like to hang there and eat crabs and stuff. But from Homosassa all the way up until they finish their migration, there's not one of those places. Nope, nope. And we get, you know, you'll see them. I've seen them eat blue crabs that are flowing out of the pass. Yeah. You know, Cola, but they're not, they're not keyed in on crabs like the past crabs. Right. You know, they'll just, opportunity, there's a blue crab float and they'll eat it. Yep. But their main food source when they make it to us is menhaden. Yep. And then their main source of food as they get to Panama City, Destin is cigar minnows, thread fins, um, stuff like that. And yep. then, once they get to the Mississippi, which is where the vast majority are going, it's back to Menhaden because those are the fish that are going to provide the oil and the body fat they need to spawn and then make it back all the way south or where they came from. Yep. And you know what's interesting about that is that's the same reason that they, well, the same reason they congregate around Homosassa is for blue crabs, and it's because of the the high protein and the the oil content of the crab is much greater, mm-hmm. and it, it gives them what they need kind of halfway uh, along the way. Um, yep. But the problem they've had in Homosassa is because the springs drying up a little bit over the years. There's not as much fresh water, and there's not they don't have the blue crab spawn in the river like they used to, and mm-hmm. because of that, same way here. The, the tarpon aren't coming around and hanging around like they used to because that's the only reason they ever stopped there in the first place you know yep ours is the same our crab situation the same way so i say all that to say from homosassa until you get to the mouth of the mississippi river there's not an established like congregation feeding area that's known or not widely known and i can't think of anything it just makes me think there has to be something between in that area where they get together and they got to be feeding too so I just wonder what would what what could create an area that to sort of provide a solid food source and a place where they can you know safely get together and then cruise on up. Yeah, it's when I find it, I'll let you know. Yeah, please do. It's interesting, man. You know, I, I feel like something like that takes place down there in your part of the world. Oh, it does, and some old timers discovered it and probably sits on it every year and has the time of his life and hasn't told a soul, which is <laughs> extremely a, smart. That's, a, that's why we would never say anything about it on the air. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I have a feeling there's, there's something like that that exists. Oh yeah. So on those cloudy days, you're looking for rolling fish, um, murky water. That's really all only way to sight fish them is when they come out of the water and kind of wave at you. Isn't it? Yep. Yep. They roll. Or if it's real calm, you know, you got a slick day, you'll see them pushing, you know, you'll see them moving water around and you can, you can find them that way, but usually on the beach side, it's, it's going to be rolling fish you're looking for. Yeah. 
Does this uh, all this weather and current is it blowing in uh, a bunch of weed lines and stuff? Are you pulling any triple yes, tail? Yes, man. The triple tail fishing's been tough, to be honest with you. Really? Uh, yeah, it's it's a poor year um, as far as numbers go. Now we've caught some big fish. Yeah, you have. Um, yeah, I've caught caught quite a few big ones, but we're not, I, you know, not catching the the consistent keepers and the the numbers. Um, and it, you know, we go through years that way every four or five years. It's, it's like that. Um, but this is the first time day before yesterday was the first time I've seen large masses of June grass or sargasm weed yep. washing into or on the beach at the Cape Indian pass, St. Vincent's Island. First time I've seen the giant masses of June grass in probably eight or nine years. Really? Yes, and that is a great thing for the area, for the beaches, for everything. It brings a ton of of life, you know. Yeah. It does have a lot of trash in it, but it that grass, which it, what it does is when it washes up on the beach, it helps rebuild the beaches and renourish the beaches. So it packs down, and then the the new wet sand has somewhere to attach to, and it rebuilds the beaches. Yep. The idiots who ever decided to start dragging the grass off the beaches, scraping them because it stinks, is 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 they're dumb. It's yeah. the dumbest thing in the world. They're literally taking a natural, uh, natural thing that occurs or supposed to occur every year to rebuild the beaches and re-nourish them, and they scrape it off because some idiot didn't like the smell of it. You know, um, and it's, it's, it's so, it's so bad when they scrape it, they need to leave it and let the sand just rebuild on it for two weeks and it's gone. It, it's covered up yep. and you have a whole brand new beach, yeah. uh, a good infrastructure for, a, for a beach to be rebuilt. But this is the first time in a while that I've seen it in large masses starting to wash up. And it's, it, I got really excited the day before yesterday when I saw it, I'm like, yes, yeah. we need this. Well, I, I've never thought about it from, you know, building the beach back up, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's like a natural mesh. That, it uh, is a mess. Exactly what it does. Yeah. It packs down. The sand has something to grab onto so it doesn't get washed away. But, you know, I mean, you talk about uh, life, man. There's an entire ecosystem underneath and within that sargasm weed Oh, line. my gosh, there is. I mean, there's, 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 I think it's called a sargasm shrimp that only lives yep. in that, in those weed lines. And it looked yep. exactly like the stuff. I mean, there's just so much that, um, all kinds of larva and all, I mean, just it's, it's endless. It's an entire ecosystem in one weed yep. line. Well, I haven't been offshore yet. I'm supposed to go tomorrow. If the storms don't, don't keep us, you know, inshore. But from what I've heard, a couple of buddies said that about three to five miles out are massive, massive weed lines. Yeah. And that's, that's, and gonna- I'm, that's going to make something real special. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. If I can get out there tomorrow and get on that, there should be mahi and there'll be bonita. Um, all kinds of stuff on that. Probably and there should kings. be triple tail. Yep. Kings, cobia will float underneath them. Man, it's, it's, I love finding big weed lines like that. Yeah. You know, I'll um, say, I mean, with, with the, the crazy weather we talked about in the beginning of the episode, this is the, the good part of that is that, yep. you know, you get these big weed lines and, okay, you can't sight fish tarpon, but you can run out three miles and get a cooler full of mahi. So you can't always Absolutely. do, you know what I mean? And, and your triple tail yeah. fishing inshore, if you got those weed lines coming in, becomes cool. I mean, there there yeah, is, I, a, it does produce a, a solid fishery. It's just different. It is different. And, you know, I looked all around it uh, yesterday and day before yesterday and didn't, 
didn't even see a single triple tail floating on the outside. Now I didn't get in there. So a lot of times I'll, I'll pitch a big hook and drag, you know, make big holes in the grass. Oh, okay. In the big mats. And a lot of times you make a big hole and then a triple tail will pop up in that, in that little hole. But I didn't do that. I just kind of rode the perimeters and looked at all the big chunks and I didn't see any floating, you know, on the outside, but I'm sure there were some underneath, yeah. you know, tucked way in there. Um, but what, it, I mean, it, it, anytime it washes in, it brings so much new life, so much bait and all kinds of stuff that's good for an ecosystem, um, and an area. And, and I, I've, I've told a, the county here a hundred times, like when it washes up on the beach, don't drag it. Yeah. Just deal with the people in their houses complaining about the smell for one week. It goes away. And then now, it, you know, a lot of trash does wash up with it. You'll find all kind of stuff that's gross that washes up in it. You know, if they would just drive around and pick that stuff up, yeah. that'd be great. But the June grass itself is so good for the beaches um, that they need to leave it, but they won't because too many people complain about the smell. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I mean, it. this is an entirely different podcast, but it's interesting how, um, you know, God has his own way of, of sort of, taking care of things. And this is one pretty clear example of, uh, keeping the beaches the way they're supposed to be, you know? And, and, but yet here we are, we'll spend money to clean that up and then turn around and spend money to bring in new sand. Yep. Exactly. And (laughs) And you you can eliminate all that. This is what I don't get. If you dump loose white sand on top of loose white sand, one big storm event washes it all away. Yep. If you, what do you do before you build a house? You put, infrastructure and things to hold it together yeah it's the same thing you know same concept that is a natural webbing and mesh that creates weight and stuff that just holds the, all the sand and everything together and it rebuilds the beach yeah it, it's it's amazing if you watch over the last 25 30 years which is my lifetime basically that when they started implementing the dragging of the beaches you've seen the beach erosion increase twofold, yeah. threefold, because there's no new infrastructure holding the sand there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about a, you know, the way a sand dune comes together is, is the, the grass that grows on it. That's why they don't want you messing with sea oats and all that kind of stuff. The because, root systems. Yeah. Yep. It's the root systems allow that sand to blow up and it holds it there. Yep. And now you have a sand dune and you have protection from, you know, with hurricanes and all again, there's God has a way of making this all work. If we just, if we just, if we just up. left him alone or left mother nature alone, let her do her thing. We would have paradise again, Yeah, but it'll never happen. No, we're too far gone. And, and, you know, we've talked in the past about, I've seen some posts lately, um, over the weekend, uh, about some real serious red tide issues in Tampa Bay. Oh, and in that, that area. is God. I, I feel so bad for my buds down there and, and my guys and everybody. It's, it is awful and it seems to be that there's apparently some level of debate over the fact that if it if it is if it was made worse by the piney point thing and i'm like how how is this even a conversation of course it did yeah absolutely it did and then you just saw the 50 gallons of raw sewage that was or fifty thousand gallons of raw sewage that was just dumped out during the red tide yeah i mean it just oh, man we're, it's awful man people are ruining everything it's yeah. all the only thing we know how to do 
That's uh, I'm afraid you're right, and you know it's it, what sucks is that the, the same people that ruin it are the people that got to fix it, and that's I don't know how we're going to get to that point, but yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast we don't want to get. <laughs> yeah, it really is, but you know you see that I mean with the 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 red tie, and when when it happened, we talked a little bit about it because you guys in in St. Joe have your own set of issues that that involve fresh water and water cleanliness, so. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's relevant, I suppose, because we've got a problem. The whole state of Florida's got the a problem. The whole state's got a problem, and it's it's the guys in charge, the big money corporations that have have made it to what it is. And it's unless something drastic happens, which you would think that red tide killing millions of fish, pounds of fish. Yeah, nine tons put, is what they took out yeah, of the I weekend. Mean, it's, it's going to it's going to put guys out of business. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna put a lot of things out of business. Yeah, because look, I mean, uh, I mean, Florida is Florida because of the fishery. Yep, that's how it started. Now there's people there for a lot of different reasons now, but you start making the ocean uh, a little more empty, and and people aren't as interested. You know, ah, uh, you got it. Well, like we've said, that's that's a, a topic for a, a different day. But um, is there any update on on any of the things going on in St. Joe with uh, diverting the the river, or any of that kind of stuff? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to any of the guys about that. You know, this time of year, it's I got my one track mine. It's kind of hard for me to to pull off of you know do both. But right, um, I, the last I talked to him was, you know, it's gaining traction with the right crowds that needs to. So the the FWC is is listening. Army Corps of Engineers had it on their list of topics to bring up in the meetings of things to do yeah, or potential things to do. So that was good. I, I haven't heard if they've had the meeting or what's happening, you know, since then. Um, but the last I talked to, to Mr. May, it's, it, you know, we said when we both, cause it's so busy around here right now with tourism, you can't even go downtown and think straight. There's just yeah. so many people in, in my little bitty town. There's just so many people. <laughs> and so, so everyone's so busy, you know, it's, it's, so we, we talked about, you know, when, when I slow down, when things slow down around here, we're going to all get together and, and see what, you know, how much traction it's, it's gotten and how far it's, it's come and, yeah. and kind of get back, you know, to hammering it down. Yeah. Well, obviously anything we can do, I mean, uh, to help, I mean, uh, I trust your, your judgment on what needs to happen. And, uh, and it's, it, it's it, just, it's just educate, man. Every chance you get to tell somebody or, yeah. or post it or share it, you know, if, if one person every time reads it, you know, it's one more person that knows what's going on and could, could tell another person. And that, and that's really the biggest thing to do right now. Yep. Well, hopefully this is, uh, helping get the word out a little bit, um, you know, about some of the changes they're considering. And so for those that don't know, Lake Wimico, that's, uh, what is it? Just East of, of St. Joe, kind of between St. Joe and East and North. Yeah. East and North. Yeah. So it has a, it has a, a, a channel that flows into or a river that flows into from the lake to St. Joe. And is that, am I telling this right? Oh, and then that needs yeah, to be so the, diverted. The inner, the, the inner coast, well, not diverted, but the intercoastal waterway was built from Lake Limico to St. Joe Bay to bring logging barges to the paper mill. This was back in the, you know, twenties or thirties or whatever it was built a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, well, they didn't know back then. It was just a quicker route to get 
the logging and the logs, the timber to the paper mill instead of taking them down the river to Appalach, loading them on a truck, and trucking them over to St. Joe. They could just slap them straight from where they were logging on the river down a barge. Boom. They were in St. Joe in half the time. Yeah. So what happened, what's happening now is the flow of Appalach Coal River because the lake has, has filled in with sediment and a bunch of other things. What fresh water is coming down Appalachian Coal River, a lot of it's getting diverted down the intercoastal to St. Joe Bay. Okay. So we're trying to get a lock system put in to where it will slow that flow down and divert it back to Appalachian Coal. Right. Which we've said when we really got in depth about it earlier on in, in the season, we kind of said, well, you know, the oyster issue that everyone's heard about with Appalachia Coal and not being able to harvest oysters and all this is partially because of the lack of fresh water that they're getting. Absolutely. So this would, it, Im- this would improve their ecosystem for the, the oyster farming and the oyster harvesting that happens there and improve the St. Joe ecosystem because y- you guys are having uh, grass bed die-offs because you're not supposed to have all this fresh water in the system yep. there. It's the old saying, two birds, one stone. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect solution. Um, you just got to get everybody to buy in on it. So that's kind of the short version of, of what we're talking about. And so yeah. if, if the Port St. Joe fishery or just environmental issues in general or something that you take interest in, then um, reach out to me and, and I can get you in touch with the folks that you can reach out to to share share that opinion. So um it's always good to uh, the 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 more voices that can unite uh, on a on a cause like that can actually move the needle. And, and captains for clean water is uh, is probably the 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 most uh, uh, public facing uh, organization that's actually moved the needle on some of this stuff um, that yeah. affects their water. So it can be done. Uh, it's just not always it easy. Absolutely can be. Well, man, Jordan, it sounds like uh, it's been an interesting summer and uh an interesting tarpon season we've uh we've theorized a lot today but that's kind of uh that's part of the deal here you know we uh you you have some some education to back it up i just have a mouth and i can come up with ideas so i don't know nobody needs to listen to me listen to jordan no i wouldn't say that i don't (laughs) i don't know much no pressure no i don't i don't know you know i don't know half of what most people know but it's just i pay attention and I know what I've seen in my lifetime and the way I see things work. Yeah. Whether they're right, I don't know. Well, we covered a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of topics today and, um, and I appreciate you getting in depth with us on some of this stuff. And hopefully you can, uh, next week when we talk, we'll be able to hear about, uh, you wearing out these mahi and, uh, I don't know, man. Those big weed lines like that can hold some surprises. I'm I'm, excited. If Mother Nature will give me a chance tomorrow, I think we'll have some fun. Well, make sure I ask you about it when we talk next week. Yes, sir. You got it. All right, buddy. We'll talk again soon, and uh, thank you for, uh, for your input. Absolutely. Anytime. 